I'm Viren Garhi, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to their no laughing matter moment. By this stage, I was living in a house I couldn't afford. I had a mortgage that was too big to pay. My salary went, was reduced by 90%. And I was, you know, it was all going a bit, and I divorced my husband. But I found myself thinking, how am I going to pay the mortgage this month? What other bills can I cut back on? What other things can I give up that I can keep going? Founder and CEO of Trini London and all-round fashion hero, Trini Woodall is my guest this week. She talks to me about heading to boarding school at the age of six, how laughter is so important for her and her colleagues, and what fashion sustainability means to her. I hope you enjoy. You ready? Is it Brendan or Brandon? Who? You. Brent. No, okay, right. What's your name? I'm getting mad. What's your name? <laughs> Dieran. Dieran? Yes. That's it. I've had 300 names into it. Dieran, is Dieran a man's name or a woman's name? Dieran's a woman's name. Have Brendan. You Can you just start recording, please? There's no intro required. We're just going to go straight into it. Seriously. Brendan. Have you started recording? Oh God, Good, Brendan okay. Brendan is a man's name. So, Brendan's a man's name. Dieran. Is that dear you're on? Hey, um, dear, you're on. Dieran. So, it's the Irish for Dorothy or Dolly. There is. There should be no Irish for Dolly, because Dolly is like a Dolly. It shouldn't be somebody's name. <laughs> Dorothy can be foreshortened to Dotty, do- yeah. but not Dolly. I mean, oh. who wants to be called Dolly? Okay. Bird. Okay. You know? Der Bird. Yeah, my mom used to say that. Yeah. So, she, yeah. so Doran is... Dieran. See, I got it wrong again. Let's just, let's just see if how many times through this podcast I can go from... Okay, now what I'm going to do is I'm yeah. going to do my memory palace. Okay. Dieran. Stunning. Dear, she's on. That's how I'm going to remember it. Okay, dear. Okay, what were we here for? Tell me. Trini Woodall. Yes, hello. You are extremely welcome to the Laughs of Your Life podcast. The last of my life. The laughs of your life. The laughs of my life. They're only just beginning. I mean, <gasps> I used to be so serious for so long, Dieran. Yeah. Like, when you're all a part of a partnership, with Susanna, she was always, to me, the funny one with a great sense of humor and cuddly and cozy and those breasts, you know, everything together. And I was always angular, forthright, let me tell you the information, Yeah. you know. And so you, you know, suppress, well, I didn't even think I had any sense of humor, but you slightly kind of, you know, and then you're edited in TV a lot, even yeah. though it was kind of our show, we were still edited. So, so they made an, an extreme version of me and extreme version of You Susanna. have to be a character. No, as in we, they make you are, into a character. But I think they, less that, because I think what they do is they just amplify what you are. Yeah. Like more, I'd say the word amplify as opposed to create you into character, because we've always been us. We didn't start at 12 being, being sort of, I was going to say groomed, such a bad word to use now, groomed. But, you know, to be sort of prepared. Yeah. We were already in our 30s. So we knew who we were. Um, but when I separated from Susanna, when we separated, when we had our break up but it wasn't a breakup because we love each other and speak to each other and call each other very funny words every few days um but uh we um we then had to find our holes and so I realized that I actually did make people laugh sometimes inadvertently but I just the freedom of getting on social and just being me and not giving a shit yeah it's it's freeing freeing. we have a structure to this podcast I appreciate that you've got (laughs) 
like going on for 10 minutes. So you've gone. Okay. You've, ru- you've run with it. Okay. Um, but I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Trini Woodall, your first memory of laughter. What would that be? If we're going to go down this path, I'm going to be so unfunny. No, it's just like your childhood. Oh, okay. So my first memory of laughter. Very difficult because I don't have great memories of my childhood. Okay. So quite tricky for me to remember a moment of pure unadulterated laughter. And I probably don't remember those until I'm about 12 or 13 or 14. You know, because I grew up and I went to boarding school at six and a half. Didn't see my parents that much. So I didn't grow up that much with my parents. And and the holidays, if it was a short, half-termy thing, I'd stay with my grandparents in Brighton or Hove, which is an old people's home on steroids. Oh, wow. So that just didn't bring much joy. So not that my child is unhappy, but I just don't remember hilarious moments. Okay. Well, maybe, you know, my parents dressed up in fancy dress or something, going out to a party, and we all thought it was very funny how they were dressed. That kind of stuff. Did you like boarding school? To begin with, I was really little. Um, I went because my sister had gone, and it was sort of easy for my parents. You were the youngest, weren't you? I was the youngest. So um, my sister was four years older. But it was a really, it was like coldest. It was a really cruel school. The teachers were torturous. Like, there are stories of the nuns in Ireland at schools, okay? Mm. But these would have been the equivalent of those really bad nuns. Okay. Yeah. Like, sort of, not great stuff, actually. So I was quite relieved that my sister ran away three times. And finally, my parents woke up and realized we should go. Wow. So I haven't really answered your question. That's okay. Mm. Did you have friends? Were you popular? At the beginning, I never felt I was. And I always felt I was with the kind of the anomalies in the classroom. You know, there was the really popular group and then there was kind of the really unpopular group and then there was the kind of middle and then there were these oddballs. And I was might have been in that category. <laughs> I did have a lending library of Barbara Cartland novels. And when I got to my next boarding school, when I was about sort of 13, I then began to find myself. And when my sister left my school, because she was four years older, I could then be me. And then I had a great time at school. So Why I, could you then be you? Because every teacher thought I was going to be as naughty as my sister. So I never had a look in. And then I was never as naughty as my classmates wanted me to be because they thought I'd be like my sister. So I could never win. You were a letdown. It was like I was let down everywhere. (laughs) So I think probably at about 13, 14 was the beginning of my metamorphosis, along with horrendous acne. The two hit me at the same time. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Years of torturousness. Fake (laughs) tan that was so orange that when I would go and stay with friends when I was about 15 or 16... um, and um, you can just slot these into the questions you're going to ask me. When I stayed with friends, um, my parents would be called by the mother and say, um, you know, could you make sure she brings her own sheets next time? Because I was like, it was like the Turin shroud oh, God. had remained on the bed. It was just you know, terrible. I would leave bath marks. It was number seven orange mousse fake tan. And it was on my acne and it was causing a lovely margarita pizza on my face. Ah, sore. Yeah, sore. Uh, did I, I read, okay, did yeah. I read correctly that you cut someone's plat off in school? Ah, yes, that, that was a moment. I <laughs> wouldn't say, I would say that was funny for other people. Sorry, I can't stop eating. I just got off the plane and I'm starving. <laughs> Very good biscuits here at the Marion Hotel, Wellington Suite, if you want to join us. Um, but the, 
There was an incident, and this is actually why I went to boarding school. So I was about six, and I had, you know, you have crushes on boys when you're six. They're mm. so unbelievably innocent. Pretty boy, James Hanbury. Never. I always forget faces and names. I never forget his blonde, blue-eyed gorgeousness. So we're doing this lollipop game at the weekend. Lollipops hang down and you suck the lollipop. The first one sucked the lollipop. And it's oh, wow. Really, I know, she's screeching. I'm going, Ugh. But at the time, it seemed very innocent. Would be the winner. So this girl helped James suck his lollipop. Oh, interesting. And so um, I was just like, I noted it. I wasn't necessarily a vindictive child. But then on the Monday morning, we all went to school, that weird in-between stage. And I, um, there was needlework as a, held the plait, cut the hair off. No. Yeah. Sent home immediately from the school. And my dad was there with a guy called Frank Lauder who wrote the Centrinians books. I am called Sarah Jane. And he said, this friend of my dad's, you are just like those girls I'm writing about. You should be called Trini. So I was called Trini. So then... Lo and behold, three months later, I'm in boarding school, age six and a half. And whenever my mother would write to me, if she had on the envelope Sarah Jane, I knew I was in the shit. And if she had Trini, I knew it was okay. And that happens throughout my life. So it just stuck? Yeah. I love it. Trini Woodall. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah Jane. The first time you felt laughed at. Mm. Mmm. Mmm. It would probably have been at boarding school. And in fact, I can probably remember it Mm. because it was an underlyingly strong memory. In this really fiendishly bad one, the first one, which turned into an old people's home then was closed totally, and I think demolished quite rightly. Um, They, um, it was a very hot summer and we were doing a kind of fight, um, a water gun, not a water gun, but just water fight. And we were all naked. And Miss Dunk, the skunk, we called her, came upstairs like four in the morning and said, what are you doing? Oh, stop. You have to go down to the gong and stand there. So we started to get dressed and she went, no. So we all went down naked and we stood by this gong at the bottom of the staircase until 200 girls came down for breakfast and walked past us. No. And laughed. So that's the first moment I remember being laughed at. That is awful. I know. It was a really shitty school. Well, did that have a, a, a lasting effect <laughs> I mean if you're being serious for a second it took me a long time to feel comfortable to be naked in front of a man because of that yeah. um, well I mean you can you can you know yeah. so we there's so all, many yeah. Uh, yeah but I think if I think about certain things I think to myself why was I always a bit uncomfortable and then you know in my 50s I became comfortable your 50s mm. oh moments earlier but probably properly really comfortable in my body 50 isn't it so funny because from the outside looking in so many women would hear that and go oh would she ever look at her she's amazing she's fab but it doesn't matter because if you don't feel it from within it's nothing and it's like I can look at decades and I can see what that decade brought to my life but definitely my 50s it's the decade of freedom so liberating to feel just utterly free, free of what caring what people think, free of the opinion of others, free of the burdens. And do you feel sad that it took that long to get to that place or are you just kind of like, whatever? I would feel sad if I felt my life was nearly over, but I feel my life has just begun. So I don't feel sad at all. I'm so excited that I feel this as I'm starting a new business. Beautiful. Trini, the moment, the moment when, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. 
usually my guests will talk about like a parent dying or you know an illness or I don't know whatever something probably I would say the the hardest thing was when my daughter's father killed himself and that probably was the strongest feeling I'd ever had about something yeah and even though he wasn't that well I still didn't see it coming and telling my daughter when she was nine was probably the hardest thing and that was like it wasn't if I don't laugh I'll cry it was like speechless yeah you know. there's no room so, for yeah. laughter so that's probably of any moment of feeling of feeling that sense of responsibility and the horror at the same time was probably that moment yeah. how long ago was that that was five years ago next week and has the time gone fast or slow mm. I don't know sometimes I think it's gone fast because suddenly we're at five years and I sort of remember it like yesterday but a lot has happened in that time yeah good stuff's happened good stuff's happened yeah good and my daughter is you know I look at her and I just feel very grateful I don't know what I feel grateful who I feel grateful towards um, but I feel so grateful that internally I feel and externally she's an incredibly well-balanced happy child yeah and with you know we all have things that happen to us that can affect us but I had lesser things happen to me that affected me by her age mm -hmm. and she it's not just resilience she's just genuinely happy could be a little bit to do with the fact that she's you're one of a few sisters, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I can't speak to any woman in Ireland without being one of a few sisters. <laughs> um, but Lila is nearly a single child because I tried many times to have children. And I had a few miscarriages, but I tried many, many times. And mm -hmm. I had her and I was very lucky to have her. And she has a half-brother. But to all intents and purposes, because he's 10 years old, she's like a single child. And there's something I feel I notice in single kids. They're less insecure. And I don't know if it's because that fight with our siblings does leave its scars. We yeah. love them dearly, but it leaves its mark. It leaves that one person in your life telling you what they really think. And some days you can take it, some days you can't. Yeah. And she's never had that. Yeah. You know, she's had a brother she's who's... Blissfully unaware of she's blissfully a, unaware of a sibling <laughs> yeah. judgment. Yeah. And I suppose as well, because, you know, you see all these in, these quotes on Instagram and one that you always see is like, comparison is the thief of joy. And it's true when it comes to siblings, because you do go, well, my, my sister was married at this age and had a baby at this end. Yeah. And you kind of go, oh, God, I need to get my shit together. You know, yeah. where she doesn't have that. She doesn't have, I mean, she'll have other things and she'll yeah. at one stage feel that she's old enough that she might have to explain about her dad. You know, the, those things which she doesn't have to deal with now as a, as, as a child. Yeah. But... Yeah, it fills me with joy. It really, yeah. Really Your no laughing matter moment in life. No laughing matter. Okay, give me an example of what you mean by no laughing matter. When shit hit the fan. And now I know that's probably, that, that moment you just spoke about could have been that. But I don't know, in business, in... Okay, shit hit the fan moment is, I've had years, like every 10 years, something goes wrong. Well, not doesn't go wrong, but there's a change, there's a shift. So I spent years being a columnist in the Telegraph and doing a book that didn't do very well. And then Suzanne went off to have a baby and I thought, what am I going to do? And then the BBC came calling. So there was that moment of what am I going to do next? I'm 33 and I don't really have, uh, I don't have any qualifications. You know, what can I do apart from what I love doing? I'm talking about clothes and fashion and everything. 
And then, you know, a few months later, something happened. So the same again after 10 years of Susanna and I working together in telly. Suddenly, we were not Flavor of the Month anymore. There were lots of other players. And Susanna and I also had worked together a long time. And we brought different things to our work. But I thought, I want to start my own brand. Mm -hmm. I really had that feeling since I was little. But it came out again. And I and Suzanne wanted to write a book. So we agreed. So by this stage, I was living in a house I couldn't afford. I had a mortgage that was too big to pay. My salary went was reduced by 90%. And I was, you know, it was all going a bit. And I divorced my husband. So all this was happening at once. And it was got to that level where I'd been through from the outside world and internally a really privileged life. Mm. But I found myself thinking, how am I going to pay the mortgage this month? What other bills can I cut back on? What other things can I give up that I can keep going? And I'd raised a tiny bit of money for the business, but just to start to do the R&D um, for Trinity London. So I then did a closed sale. So I thought, what have I got? Because I didn't really collect paintings. I didn't have jewelry because it was all stolen once. So I just, all I had was my clothes. So I did these two big sales and I thought, do I do it somewhere away from my house? And I thought, no, fuck, let's do it at home, you know, because I just, I, that's what I got to do. So I invited friends of friends of friends. I had a lot of strangers in my house. Didn't really matter. Raised 60,000 pounds from two sales, which so... actually kept my business going, allowed me to continue to pay the mortgage. But I also... You know, I knew at that stage, I can't afford this um, life. So I know I've got to downsize. So letting go of that house that I felt was my life's work was difficult. And that's a really hard thing because mm. I just, every inch of that house I'd been, you know. It was your pride. was my pride and I loved it so much. And I'd always wanted to walk Lila to school and not to take a car. And I'd finally got an area in London where I could do that. And it held all those memories, all that stuff. And so two years ago, I realized I'll rent it out and then rent something small. And then at the same time, I was moving in with my partner. So then what was a small little house, then we used as Trinity London as the office. And we got to about 20 people in there. And then I was living with Charles and then I sold, sold my house. And for the first time ever, I was debt free. You know, I didn't have that huge mortgage payment. I still... I still only make it, you know, a lot of people think you'll go out with somebody with lots of money. It's, I am very, I think anyone who very, knows you or follows you knows Yeah, but that I'm you've... very like, you know, very independent on every totally. single thing. You I can mean, see that. You know, so I just knew I needed to get rid of the house, set myself some budgets up, know what I could spend per month. So for the last two years, I've been really good. I mean, I have my Zara moments, definitely, you know, like crazy, but I don't keep all the stuff that I, that I show off as, as things I love. Yeah. Um, and I then do abstinences and then I sell clothes too. So, um, when I first started the business, I paid myself a really small salary. So my salary was still only 10% of my original salary that I had for a few years. So I was really, and only now do I feel the business is actually doing all right and I am going to be okay. Mm. You know, it would take a disaster and the business is growing at a rate. Whereas a year, this time last year, it was still that, you know, we're a real startup startup. It's really raw. Will we make the sales we need to make? Is this business growing? You know, and now this year I feel I'm going to do another fundraise, but it's to grow the business and the business actually breaks even every month. So it's for me, I need to sometimes acknowledge that it's okay you know totally so even though I don't own a house I know at some stage I'll be able to buy a house again 
Because yeah. I kind of feel I want at some stage again in my life to own a, own a house. You know, you feel you've achieved something when you buy a house. It, it's just a thing. Yeah. So I will get that. It will happen. But just today, it's not. But you'll get there. I'll get there. Fashion in your life. Like, where did that love come from? Definitely my dad more than my mum. My mum's Scottish. My dad is English. My mum is all about save, save pessimism my father is about opulence gambling and living life. living life to the full for that day so he was also very much he was an incredibly handsome man and he'd love to kind of take my mother to Paris and buy her clothes you know there was that kind of little moment when he was in flush in the cash and then when he wasn't suddenly it was like you know no clothes for two years so <laughs> um and we had this sort of very um you know I always remember my father being beautifully dressed. And even when he got to in his 80s, he would hate it if he had some dirt on it. You know, his tummy got bigger and he couldn't see the crumbs sitting on there. <laughs> but if I would point it out to him, he couldn't bear it. You know, like, oh. uh, and my mum never, ever hardly wore makeup. She'd wear a number seven lipstick. And she, I got her her first proper cleanser when she was about 55, 60, and I bought her Evelon. Before then, really, number seven cleansing milk every few days but because she never wore base that often yeah not very much so I didn't get it from her um my sister always had great style it has great style and she's four years older than me and and I loved her style too but we were different characters and I think I very first got it I was at this little school and no the second school the nicest school and everyone lived in England but myself and a friend lived in Germany initially so she would bring back Benetton Benetton was like, Benetton was, what could you compare Benetton today? It was like when Zara first launched, but yeah. just color. It wasn't like M&S. My mother, I mean, my mother took me shopping in M&S or Peter Jones. That's the only two shops she would take me to. Yeah. And there were no other shops that were exciting. And my father would occasionally, once I refused, go to Paris and buy me a pretty dress. But it was M&S, you know, M&S shoes, M&S jumpers, M&S dresses, occasionally when I was very little it was very very beautiful baby wear maybe I remember that memory okay and then my mother hates shopping right. with a passion stop I think sometimes we're the opposite of our mothers you know sometimes when you have a mother who does it I always see a lot of kind of slight tomboy girls I say you've got a really glamorous mother haven't you you know, we'd sometimes yeah. skip a generation because we just think, I never want to. A rebellious never, thing. Yeah, a rebellious thing or I don't think I could ever be that or yeah. I don't want to be like that, you know. And I think I, inevitably you kind of end up like that. I don't think you will in terms of, I think fashion no. is in your bones. Yeah, and I, I think I w definitely, definitely won't end up like my mother. Um, <laughs> we I mean, all say it. Yeah, and, but I will see her mannerisms. I see yeah. her mannerisms. My mother has a great way of giving you a compliment and slightly taking it away at the same time. Yes, backhanded. So, yeah, so slightly there is that. Um, but I think Lila has got a love for clothing and I think she's got that from me. Okay. You know, so I hope that there is that intimacy there that I never had with my mom. Different generation. Yeah. The person, Trini, that you always laugh with? Um, I laugh with Dido and <laughs> Chloe. I mean, I laugh a lot with people at work and they are like my sort of family. I have friends I laugh with. I have really old friends. So the longer you've had a friend, the more you're going to have that laughter with them. But sometimes our old, old friends judge us. It's like, we start on Facebook, the Trini tribe, or it sort of start organically. But these women can meet new, like in Ireland, it went up from like 300 to 2000 people in like a couple of weeks. And 
it's a chance for you as a woman of any age to present who you want to be that day yeah. and to get people to love you for the woman you want to be today. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. So there's some very new friends. In a way, the people who work at Trinity London knew friends because they're sort of, you know, I haven't known them a long time, but we have a laugh and, you know, we do have a laugh. And I think there's, I have a girlfriend called Sasha. And sometimes the funniest people in your life are not the prettiest. You know what I mean? They're, they have a beauty, oh, yeah. which is just like a shining light within them. But if aesthetically they've relied just on their looks all their life, sometimes humor can be lacking. Yeah, oh, totally. Okay. So Sasha is in men's boiler suits every day. Gorgeous Greek girl. But she just, she's not vain. That's what it is. It's a difference. I'm not, because I find her beautiful as a woman. She's just not vain. She's so funny. And we have so many funny memories together of things that we got up to. And I just, whenever I see her, I laugh like mad. And so there's certain people I have that humor with. Yeah. It is so true, isn't it? I think people who are, have been gorgeous all their lives, they can fall back on that. And so they don't really need to make much of an effort yeah. personality-wise. Yeah. And then I think the opposite goes as well. If you're not the most beautiful girl in the room, you have to do something else to make up for it. Yeah. And so the, the humor comes out. Yeah. Um, you talk about Chloe and Dido. The, the fun that you guys have is just palpable <laughs> on Instagram. I think yeah. two things that, you know, I have no doubt that Trini London is going to be massive. And I think the two things are... Your passion is just like you can see it every day. You're obsessed with the brand. Mm -hmm. You believe in the brand. Mm -hmm. But also everyone wants to be friends with everyone wants to do a twinning Friday. You know, everyone yeah. wants to do yeah. it. Yeah. Sorry, Friday yeah. twinning. Friday I said twinning. it the wrong way around. Friday twinning. Friday twinning. Friday twinning. And our lovely new marketing person came in and said, why don't we call it Tuesday twinning? Chloe and I did it for a week and then I thought, no, no way. It's Friday. Friday twinning, Shira. Shane, Shane who's here, I, I showed him your Instagram a few minutes ago. He's like, does she always come out of the lift? <laughs> I used to come out of a blue door. But, and then it you was gotta awful. You got to switch it up. Because we know with the blue door was like that rented place. And then we yeah. moved into our office, which was this huge, beautiful, it was like Anne Hathaway, the intern kind of office yeah. for like three months. Now it's overflowing. and We'll have to move soon. It's like that. We're growing quite quickly. But I just, I just thought, how am I going to take that? And everyone loved that door. And they yeah. said, what's that color of the door? And oh it's O'Donnell Farrenball. And, and I just thought, I can't do this. And the outside of our office is so ugly. And I thought, I can't. No. So I can't do it outside of my own front door. Yeah, I don't want to know where I live. So... Then we just one day, I don't know how, we just discovered the elevator. <laughs> and so now the elevator is actually more entertaining than the door because there's that same kind of what's going to pop out. Yes, it's amazing. And I think one time, actually, we should just do out to the day and the door should open like 20 of us to come out. Like, yes. Should we do that for Christmas? Let's do that for Christmas. That would be so funny. Let's do it. Yes, will you remember? Oh, my God, so, I love yeah, it. Yeah, we, we like the door. Okay, Trini. A lift. A time where you had the last laugh. Mm -hmm. You mean revenge is a Pretty dish? Mm. Um, <laughs> yes. There was a woman who remained nameless uh, who wrote once an article on Susanna and I, mainly focusing on Susanna, but it was about us when we were sort of starting out. And she decided to put us in the box in which she didn't do any research. So she just said, these are two posh girls. They've got no talent between them. And it was like an essay on there's no way they're going to get anywhere. And, you know, but so 
chippy and vindictive. And I remember it really upset Susanna because we'd done this interview. We were so excited and it was our first big interview. Mm. And we were, we were really excited for it to come out. It was in a big publication. So it came out and, um, and it was um, torturous. And usually our agent would always say, look, it's yesterday's fish and chips, which in that day and age it was because there wasn't so much on the internet. I don't think it would be on the internet, this interview. Um, and, but Suzanne upset us so much that she literally bought all the newspapers and a kiosk so other people wouldn't see it. You know, it was that kind yeah, of really that level. upsetting. So um, there was something I was at where I was the center of what was going on and um, kind of it was celebrating my success. And um, I was getting an award or something. And she was there. And she came up to me afterwards and, and in front of a lot of other people and said, do you remember me, Trini? And I just turned around and I went, yep. And I would never talk to you again in my life and walked off. <laughs> Amazing. And I just felt, you know, one for, I would do, I mean, Susanna and I are very, very loyal to each other anyway. And so whenever either of us had that kind of, anyone was Chris, we were very, she, you know, she's like a, a bear, you know, and I, I am too. Yeah, yeah. So loyalty is, yeah. is still there. Yes. Okay, yes. Trini, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Zara. <laughs> yes, I was waiting for that. Yeah. Because she doesn't say something fashion related. <laughs> I swear to God. Zara. <laughs> I'd have to say, yeah, definitely. You know, just do people fix. these days, do people like I know you mentioned briefly the Zara thing earlier, but do people talk about like, oh, sustainability? Like, why? Are you? Well, you know, this is my thought on it because yeah. I feel very strongly about it. Yeah. I think sustainability to me personally is about loving what you have in your wardrobe and it having a place and it being used and it not being sitting in the back with a label on going to a landfill at some stage. So when I look at my wardrobe and there's been definitely moments where I bought things too rashly, I have a kind of rule of thumb now that if I love something, I will order it online, not buy it immediately in the shop and then try it on, try it on with a few different things. Think, does it have a place in my wardrobe, whether it's Zara or expensive? And if it's in store and I love it, and especially if it's a, you know, a piece that I'm thinking, oh, I've got to have it. I'll, I'll take a step back and I'll think, would I wear it? And then if I don't wear it in the first two days of my getting it, then I know it should go back. Okay. But it's better not to send stuff back. That's a big thing too, is a lot of people are like, you know, because then it has to be represented and all the effort that goes into that. But I have things in my cupboard and I have quite extensive cupboards. Um, and um, I won't deny it. There's about sort of 16 or 18 of them sort of around the house. Oh, as you but, do. As you do. But in these cupboards, everything is really meticulously kept. So a kind of 12-year-old Broderie Anglais Zara coat is next to a, I don't have any Chanel, but it's next to a Celine coat. And they both, I revere them as much because I loved something about the cut, the color, the design. Yeah. And so I think it's about, you've got to love and cherish that Murray Kondo thing, but I really love and cherish, not in an orderly, refrained way, but with a passion. So there's something, Marie Kondo is very much love, keep, don't love, get rid of. I'm like, love it, love it, embrace it, wanna it. You know, just really love it. And if you don't really love it, get rid of it. And just remember when you're buying again next, wherever you're buying from. That's what I feel about sustainability. Gotcha. 
Okay, Trini, your quick fire round. <laughs> Are you ready? I will do quick, but I promise I will be quick. Okay. Okay. The movie you always laugh at. <laughs> Bridesmaids, of course. Yes. Okay, amazing. Uh, the actor or actress that you always laugh at. Harder. Adam Sandler sometimes, but he can change and be different. Um, you know, um, get wedding crashers. I quite like both of them. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. That's Just, vibe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you read? Yes, I used to read a lot. I used to read literally a book a week and I haven't read so much now. I read like a book of every couple of months. A book you laughed out loud at? I don't laugh at books. I mean, they're not, the books I read are not laughy, laughy books. Gotcha. Yeah. That's so okay. they're kind of like, you know, they're books where I go, mm, I love how that was written. Okay. Yeah. The comedian you always laugh at? I mean, I, I was probably, I don't, I don't find so many comedians funny anymore compared to maybe it's my kind of humor. So I love Steve Coogan and the guy doing the, um, the touring of the restaurants. And then they went to a tour on Italy. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> I don't know either. But it's kind of, it's quite funny. It was quite funny. I loved Rowan Atkinson when he did Blackadder. Yes. You know, and I love Friends. You know, I'm yeah. not of those eras. I'm Like the 80s was Blackadder, the 90s was Friends. Yeah. I'm that kind of humor. Gotcha. And then occasional, you know, Ruth Wilson or wedding, you know, bridesmaids. You know, the vomit in the bridal shop. There is no other <laughs> scene like it. It's like every time I want to wet my pants. <laughs> You know, it's so good when, when she's, she's eating there. the nuts, trying to pretend she's not sick and she's like sweating. Oh, it's amazing. Oh. And finally, Trini Woodall, your best or worst joke? Oh, no. Don't yeah, I know. Me go I know. I just like, I can't even, I, I don't even have a joke. I didn't think you'd like that one. I don't even have a joke. I know. I can't roll it out on the tip of my tongue. I just like. But you're naturally witty, so you don't need to have jokes. No, I used, you know, I used to have this repertoire of jokes and they were really well practiced and they were my calling card. And right. then I just forgot them all. <laughs> You realised you were just naturally funny, so you don't oh, need them. Oh, well, I'm inadvertently funny. Let's give a little plug to why you're here in Dublin. Thank you, darling. I'm here in Dublin because I'm launching our Euro site this week and Dublin obviously being in Euros. And I've done a pop-up. So we've done lovely pop-up in Merrin Square. And we've got 700 Irish women who literally booked it in, in an hour and a half. And we're going to just show them all the products. And a lot of people who buy online are coming for appointments. A lot of people who are scared of buying online come along. It's just, it's a joyful time. And we do masterclasses. I've got, I've got so much going on in that house that there's probably going to be, I mean, when we rented the house, we didn't quite tell them there'll be about a few thousand people come through the house <laughs> in a week. But there probably will be because what we... We, I very quietly say, the problem is when I say something on social quietly, my team say, Trini, please, you, sh you know, it means that's why there's a queue around the door. So I did say, if you haven't got an appointment, maybe you could book in, but you'd have to find out where it is. And it's somewhere in Marion Square. We've painted the door yellow. Yes, <laughs> so I saw that like, on Instagram. So it's like, it's really easy to see. And... Um, and I love it. And I w ran in from the airport because I was so, I was coming here to do your thing, but I thought, I've got time because I want to see what my team had done because they made it so, so glamorous for yes. us. It's like really sophisticated. It's like where we're heading. And all those Irish ladies were there, but they were like, you know, 30, 40 Irish ladies in the house having masterclasses, one-on-ones. And they're just all so happy yeah. and excited to be there and, you know, excited to say hi. It just great vibe yeah. in Ireland. Great vibe. It's a good time of year as well. November is a bit dreary and crap. Yeah, so we the need bright something. yellow door, that yeah. branding, it's what we need. Yeah, it's what we need. Trini Woodall, thank you so much for sharing the last of your life. Thank you. Bye.
Thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch. Tweet me at Theron Garrahy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and all those other things. This podcast is recorded in collaborative studios. Thank you.